Today we have um, an associate pastor here from Life Church, but it's Life Church San Diego. Uh, Brother Nelson uh, Rivera uh, has traveled uh, to be here with us this morning. Uh, he's passionate about his calling, uh, but definitely passionate about uh, being able to bring forth uh, the Word of God in any situation and any circumstance. And today we're blessed, blessed to have him here today. So can you please uh, give him a warm welcome? Hallelujah. Such a blessing and an honor to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon. Give honor to your pastor, Pastor Rich Brown. You are a blessed people, church. Pastor Brown and Sister Tamara and their family are just tremendous people. Give honor to them. Uh, I serve as a district youth secretary. Uh, so, Brother Brown, we call him Bishop Brown. He was the first youth president, I don't know if you know this, of the SoCal district. We became a district many years ago. And so he is our bishop. So we love Brother Rich Brown. And it's such an honor to be here. My wife, unfortunately, she was sick. Uh, we are expecting a second baby here uh, within a few months. And she has been battling nausea really bad, just throwing up. So pray for her. She is uh, my sidekick. She is my bride. She is the queen of my castle, the sugar and my spice. I, I don't operate the same when she is not here. And so pray for me that I'm able to get through the day from San Diego, California. Amen. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Amen. Brother Lises, thank you. I see Brother Michael Garcia, the Soto Boys, many young men from San Diego, California uh, that have come up here either by mar married, they've moved here. I told my pastor, I'm tired of sending them out. I want some to come in to San Diego. Amen. But we're glad that they're in a great church. Today, I feel led in the Holy Ghost. I do have a word for you. Such a sweet spirit that I feel in the house of God here this morning. I know it is Christmas week. And at times, if you're like me, we ate tamales. Perhaps you ate prime rib, lobster. Amen. And it's really easy to get into that mode and say it's Christmas. Let's just relax, have church an hour and a half, clock out, clock in, clock out and go home. But I've come with a word today. Amen. And if you receive that word, God will bless you. Now, we know by the foolishness of preaching, we're saved. The Bible says that. But it is a two-step process. Amen. One is delivering the word. And two, you need to receive the word. Because I can preach to you all night long. Amen. But if you don't receive and touch the Lord, nothing is going to happen. I promise you. But if you get a hold of God here this afternoon, I promise your life will never be the same. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 9 verse 1. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake and there was of the house of Saul of house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba everybody say Ziba now Ziba was kind of if I can give you a metaphor or or, or dis description of who he was every if you've ever met a man that looked very important from a distance but when you got close you realize there's nothing nothing much to him this was Ziba. When they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet, not yet any of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emiel, in Lodabar. 
Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. I want to turn your attention to John chapter 15, verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Everybody say fruit. And that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I want to endeavor to preach this morning on this subject, chosen for his purpose. It is not by accident that we are standing here this afternoon. I believe it is a chosen for his purpose. You were chosen for God's purpose. Amen. And when you realize the potential that you have in the kingdom of God, anything can happen. Amen. Any lives ever been changed because you knew you were chosen. Amen. There's a different shout and a praise in somebody that knows what they used to be. But now when I walk into the house of God, I'm not what I used to be. I was chosen for his purpose. In the name of Jesus, God, we come before you this afternoon. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for your mercies, Lord. Touch us today, God, that we would receive this word in the name of Jesus. Why don't you clap your hands as you're seated? Amen. The Bible strictly speaks about chosen to go. Uh, A leper in Matthew, after healing, Jesus said, go and show thyself to the priest and offer a gift. It calls for a complete change in physical and social lifestyles. In Luke, in the parable of a good Samaritan, after the story of Jesus, he said, go and do the same. It calls for a complete change of an inner lifestyle. And my words will remain in you. We are appointed life church to bear fruit. It calls for expected results. I don't believe that I go into a Bible study expecting nothing to happen. But every time I walk into a Bible study and open the bread of life, I know that my God can do the miraculous in a home Bible study. Amen. I've seen the strongest cry in a home Bible study. I've seen lives change, lives change in a home Bible study. So everything we do has a purpose to bear fruit. And in John chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. The secret of bearing fruit is recorded in verse 7. You need to abide. You've got to get close to Jesus. He can't just be someone that you come on Wednesday and Sunday, but he's got to be under, amen. You've got to be under him, under his power and authority, and realize that I've got to get to Jesus every single day. If we were to take a poll here this afternoon and ask how many pray uh, 15 minutes a day, I promise you the numbers would be staggering. It is very easy, especially in the season of Christmas and holiday season, to kind of take a step back, get comfortable. Oh, Pastor O'Brown will will preach on the new year, and he'll bring on the new year, and we'll charge up. No, sir, no, ma'am. Now is the time where we need to arise as a church, amen, and say this is the day that the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even if perilous problems and trials may come, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness or in health, 
John chapter 16, 33 says, In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You have been empowered, Life Church, to do the miraculous. You have been empowered, young people, to walk into your schools every day and be able to show the power and the love of God. It does not matter how young you are here in this church or how old you are. Every single one of us have the potential to do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. We have the potential. When God chose the birds to fly, he equips them with wings. When God calls us to do a task, he will empower us, church. I tell our young people and our young marrieds all the time, we need to realize the potential and the fire that's inside of you. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and have the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you have power and authority to walk into your workplaces, your schools, and do the miraculous. We're empowered. There's something incredible about when you come to Jesus. You come into contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's an incredible touch. Us apostolic Pentecostals, we call it an experience. And it is an incredible touch. It's a touch of passion. It wasn't just a casual brush or a clumsy bump that I just ran into. It had an emotion to it. I can sense the passion behind the voice or, or, or the first time when the woman of the issue of blood had tried everything she had tried. She had spent all her money. And yet when the people begin to walk around and bumping into Jesus and she, she stretched forth and touched his garment, she said, who, Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples said, yeah. You've been bumping into people all day long, Jesus. What are you talking about? Ah, he said, there's a, there's a difference when somebody has passion and is so desperate for the move of God that says, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get out of my element of comfort. And he said, wait a minute. The touch, that passion, his touches of power. Lame men walk, dumb men talk, deaf hear, blind see, devils flee. I've seen it all, folks. I've been raised in this all my life. I've seen eyes, uh, blind eyes open. I've seen cancer healed. And if you've been in the church long enough, you have too. But why is it that we need to seek, amen, for those signs to get a rejuvenation, amen? The Bible says uh, that, that a wicked generation seeks uh, wonders and miracles and signs. But I believe everywhere I go, amen, because I preach this truth of God that's... That, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Signs shall follow them that believe. All you need to do is preach the word of God. There's no, uh, there's no hocus pocus about it. Every time I've seen a miracle happen, it just happened. Right? It just happened. We didn't make a big scene and say, come on down. You know, the crowd, anticipation. It was just a steel place at the age of 17 when I was, my father was teaching at a, a Bible college in Mexico, in Sonata. He's a pastor. And I was just with two young boys and we were walking, hitting the town after the Bible study. You know, them old folk like to talk and drink coffee for hours. We were kids. We wanted to get out and go. And back then it wasn't as dangerous as it is now. So I wouldn't recommend that. But we were walking through the city of Ensenada, and, and this crowd, amen, had just kind of brushed through the side. 
And there was a group of them, and we kind of, you know, as any crowd comes, we, we looked around and, and, and said, what's going on? And this woman was dead. She was blue. She was, there was nothing, no breath, no pulse. Uh, there was a crowd. The husband was crying. Uh, people there were crying. Now, it's not like the U.S. ambulances in Mexico. You're lucky. Let's just say you better believe in prayer. It's about an hour or two before they get there. They're just there to pick up the body and send them on their way. But we were there and he was crying and I, I can remember I, I, I wasn't expecting God to just do the miraculous. I wasn't expecting God to just boom, blow it up. I was just a simple, we were just 16 year old boys. Brother Ulysses just saying, hey man, she's already dead. Uh, we might as well pray for her, the situation. And as soon as we laid hands on her, I remember. Now, I would be lying to you if I felt a jolt when I put my hand on her. Just name Jesus. There it is. It was just a simple prayer. In the name of Jesus, arise and walk. And she came up and began to cry. Now, the most, the greatest part about that story is not that she was uh, risen from the dead, but she began to cry and says, who are you guys? We said, we're Pentecostal apostolic. She said, I used to go to an apostolic church when I was a young girl. Second chance in life. Over somebody bold enough to say, I'll pray when nothing looks right. When you look at your workplace and say, I'm going to get fired. When you look at your situation and say, what's going to happen? Everything's a mess. I've come to tell you, you have power and authority to pray for those things and they will come to pass. We need to be positive and speak those things. It's touch. It's of privilege. I'm coming to tell you here today, I did nothing to deserve it. I ran from the calling. I ran from it. But God's mercy and grace, his love, his tender mercies. I'm telling you, there's a difference in the worship of somebody that knows what they used to be like. Somebody that everything his father would preach for, he would do the opposite. But when I came to his tender mercies and said, enough is enough. I'm tired of playing with this world. Oh, the Lord turned me upside down and I'll never turn back because this is the place of safety. This is the place of joy. This is the place of comfort this is the place we're in a sacred place this isn't just church on a Sunday afternoon when we walk into this place you're walking into the miraculous you're walking into a place I'm a, I walk into the church. It's holy ground. I start walking before anybody gets to our church, praying for those for those pews or those chairs, and say, right here, a backslider is going to come to you, God. Today, God, somebody's going to get healed. Sister so-and-so that has cancer sits here. You're going to heal her in Jesus' name. What would happen if we would begin to pray like that church, that every time we walk into the house of God, we're expecting the miraculous. His touches of touch of preeminence, something about his touch, about his voice, it lives on. It forever changes us. And the best part, the best one is the touch of purpose. 
It was on purpose. It was not an accident. It was for a purpose. It always has a reason. Many are called, but few are chosen. You are part of the chosen here today. You say, well, I just come to visit. Well, I've come to tell you, God is calling you here this afternoon. God wants to restore your life and your marriage and your kids. He wants to put it all back together. If you'll give them a chance and say, God, give me life. That more abundantly. But in the scripture here with David, David went to Ramah with his pastor and mentor by the name of Samuel. And this is a time where David and Saul were at odds with each other. God has already told Saul, you're done. I'm going to give it to David, the kingdom. I've rented, taken it from your hands. And King Saul has been, as you know, if you read the Kings and the Samuels, in the Old Testament, you will know that he tried to kill David. David was the only man that would come and soothe when the spirits, evil spirits would come on, on Saul. David would play music and, and it would soothe those spirits. And several times he grabbed the javelin and, and threw it to kill David. And just by the mercy of God, it was all on purpose. It, it didn't happen by accident. He, he didn't just happen to just slip by and move out of the way. But God had already ordained something. Amen. And so David... Uh, King Saul is af- coming after David and uh, when the band of merciless mercenaries uh, go into Naoth in Ramah, the Bible records that the spirit of God came upon them and they can begin to prophesy like the school of the prophets. Uh, David, uh, Saul, King Saul, excuse me, King Saul had sent mercenaries to kill David. And every time they would go to find David, the spirit of the Lord would become on them. And so they would come back all shaken and all twisted. Amen. And so three times these mercenaries go with no avail because the spirit of God is going on them and so the reason is because it is impossible to curse what God has already blessed you better ask Balaam the prophet he would also testify to this and say hi every time I try to curse the people of God I would just give them blessings there is no curse that can come against them. Look to two people and say, ah, I'm blessed and you can't change it. I am blessed and you can't change it. God has already predestined me to be his child. I have blessings. I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Doesn't matter what people say. If God's before you, then who in the world can be against you? We need to grow a backbone as apostolics and say, I am somebody in the kingdom of God. I. I have power. Saul, this point, frustrated, must be thinking I can no longer send a boy to do a man's job. And so job and so Saul saddles up and comes to a whale called Saku perhaps the scholars and historians say to strategize how he's coming into Naoth so that he will not be overcome by the spirit of God I've come to tell you it don't matter what kind of way you try to get away from Jesus it don't matter how far you go he will always be there you can be in a club and his spirit can come down and touch you right there I know I was there. 
God will never leave you. I've come to tell you, when he's chosen you, when he's called you, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you may have fun for a season. But oh, when the presence of God comes. You can't change what's going to happen. And so he goes into Naoth. The spirit overtakes him until he's literally taken off his clothes. It's from that point. In order for Ziba to say, there is no one left, the lone heir of the house of Saul and the son of Jonathan, that after Saul has fallen on his own sword, after Jonathan has been decunded like a dog and decapitated, 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 says that the nanny of Mephibosheth in her haste to protect the toddler of five years old drops him and he's lame on his both feet. I want to stop right here. Be careful of people around you that care for you, but don't have the capacity to carry you. Because everybody in your life that say they care about you don't know how to carry you and they'll drop you in the process. They will drop you and you will be in hurt and pain. That's why you can't, uh, you can't, it's not that you can't hang out with unbelievers, but there's a difference when an apostolic goes to the club and says he's not, he's just going to drink water. You ever been there? That awkward place you show up to the party and they're drinking and smoking and you thought it, they said it was a baby shower. <laughs> You're just like, really? Nobody got time for that. No, sir. No, ma'am. Hey, man, we need to be a light of this world. We need to be out there and they need to know they got to get uncomfortable when they hit open the Corona bottle and put a lime in. They ought to be uncomfortable when you pray. You always like you're like me. I have friends in the world. We go out to eat. They know. They'll say, oh, let's let the reverend pray. Amen. I don't pray this little prayer, church. I don't just pray, oh, God bless his food. Amen. I said, Lord, guide our footsteps, Lord. Bless every family that's sitting here on the table. God bless our marriages, our homes, our wives, our kids. God, bring us to truth. Woo! Uh, after the meal. What was that about, bro? I felt something I've never felt before. Huh? Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Huh? He'll change your life. I'm telling you, the very minimal things that we search for are there. They are there for you. You do have influence. You do have an You can make a difference. You say, oh, pitiful fellow. Poor Mephibosheth. I wish he would have never been dropped. Oh, no, I disagree with you. Because if he wouldn't have been dropped, he would have been the Osama bin Laden of this day. They would have hunted him down. They would have killed him. Because he would have been a threat to the kingdom as an heir to Jonathan. But because she dropped him, what looked like debilitated him actually developed for what God had for his life. I don't know who I'm speaking to you today. But you may feel lonely. You may feel broken. But God still has a call on your life. God still wants to use you. And God has a destiny for your life. He allows debilitating circumstances happens to form you into the Christian he needs you to be. Things don't happen by accident. Yes, things happen in life. God allows them to happen. But they're only to strengthen our trust in him. 
How many of us here, if you had $100 million, you'd be here this afternoon? I don't think I'd be here. I'm just being honest. I'd probably be in Paris or Amsterdam or London or Rome, you know, somewhere. Not that I wouldn't go to church, but, you know, we'd get this misconception. Then I'll take the church to the world. No, you won't. You'll be over there having a good time, spending your money, amen. But when you're a child of the king, you may be so broke you can't even pay attention. But every time you pay your tithes, every time I, there's some joy that the enemy can't take away because you know that his hand is on your life and he's going to protect you. He's going to carry you through. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse five, 5 says, Before I formed thee in this belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sacrificed thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. Does not matter where you come from, whether you were a mistake or you were planned for here this afternoon. I'm happy to know that God has a plan for my life. He has a chosen me. He has chosen me for such a time as this. The end time. We are in the last of the last days, folks. I know we've been preaching that for ever since I was a kid. I remember. But you can see this world. It's in shambles. They've taken away from, they've taken God away from the schools. They've taken them away from every place that we know sacred. The courthouses. They've taken them away. We're living in the end times. We need to wake up and realize. I have life this morning, this afternoon. I've been chosen for his purpose. I'm not going to put my head down because times are tough right now. No, sir. No, ma'am. I'm going to keep my head up high. And whatever Life Church Pastor Brown asked me to do, I'm going to do it with joy. I'll come and clean the church with joy. I'll come and work for the kingdom of God. Everybody wants the pulpit, but nobody wants to work. a young man my mother was born on my dad's 17th birthday she was 15 years old kids kids still together 32 years later they were kids together born in a very catholic catholic heavy catholic cultured home my grandfather was a judicial federal uh, commander in mexico the 80s Abusive home. The worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. Back then, the cartel was the federal agents, believe it or not. If you know your history, you read into it. It wasn't the cartel. They were working hand in hand. And so it was just my father with so much fear of, of his stepfather. So much fear. He would beat him. He said he remembered. He picked him up from the hair and he would throw him across the room. It's just a young boy. Because he wouldn't put his plate in the sink. They had maids and all that. There was one time he complained about not being fed to the maid, the servant. And she told his father. And his father sat there and literally made him eat, drink a whole gallon of milk. And like a box of cereal after he had just overfed him. And sat there. And as he threw up and ate out of his own vomit. Hurt, pain, anger. He stuttered. He couldn't even talk. He couldn't even talk. He just, but he said that he would take an old Bible. At the age of 17, 16, 17, he'd go to the mountains. He'd go up there. He would begin to shake. He said his lips would begin to shake. 
And he didn't know what this was. He'd go talk to the priest, and the priest said, oh, mijo, you know, it's, it's just you've, you've been through traumatic experience. And they gave him all the jumbo schmumbo, whatever it is, he told them. Then he went to the book of Acts. What is this? I've been reading this. What is this? And it was through my aunt, which and then in the 80s had gotten caught uh, with the biggest drug load of cocaine that she didn't even know it was her boyfriend or her husband then her husband's car had been loaded with cocaine to the brim it they sing songs about her to this day because it was the biggest load in the 80s and she got thrown into jail they said you're, we're gonna throw the key away you're done you're gonna go to prison for life and there was an old young woman <laughs> that came at a prison cell from the anchor church back then revival tabernacle pastor david f gray i believe james larson pastor larson had just taken it over and he began to talk about jesus she received the baptism of the holy ghost in the prison cell amen they walked into uh, the courthouse and the judge and the judge said you know what i don't know what this looks like a mistake i know this is crazy but we're gonna let you go and she was gone in one month and because of that person five all the sisters came to jesus christ and were filled with the holy ghost and baptized in jesus name my father, at the age of 17, walks into the apostolic church. He said he felt something he never felt before. What is this that I feel? What is this power? What is this? I, I can't understand it. And he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and never turned back. He became a minister. He would come up here and stutter. He couldn't even talk. Uh, Jesus. He'd, try, he'd go to the trolleys. He'd take me with him. We'd go to the trolleys. He'd say, oh, uh, to these big old homies tatted up, you know, and you say, hey, what's going on, man? What's up? You know, they, they want to fight right away. He would just say, Jesus. And I look at my dad and be like, really, Pops? Man, what are we doing here? This is foolish. He said, nah, I'm teaching you something. Every time I walk with that flip chart, that old flip chart for you old timers, uh, 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 Bible study, walk into it. Oh, but I saw the most powerful moves of God in a Bible study where they would be crying, oh, in their seat, in their place, and they would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost while eating their menudo. He couldn't even speak English well. My dad was just a stuttering Stanley, they called him. He'll never be nothing. He'll just be a guy. He didn't care. He'd be the song leader. Then he'd jump on the sound. You know, back then we were, a, we were a small church. You did everything. You were called. You were called to do everything. Not like now. It's like, no, no, brother. This is my area. No, sir. No matter. What do you need me to do, pastor? Okay, wash my car. He'd go wash his car. He'd come clean the church. He'd do the sound. Then he'd run back. Amen. Get the water for the pastor. Amen. But I'm happy to tell you here this morning that I've seen hundreds and thousands of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost under this man's ministry because he had a hunger and said, I'm chosen. I don't care what this world says. I've got a call on my life. I've been chosen for his purpose. Now he pastors a servant's heart. Big shoes. I can't feel those shoes. I wish I could tell you here today that I'm striving to be like my father. Just humble. Humble as could be. He loves people. We've sat in places and eaten with folk when the roaches were going on the the babies that were on the floor, we'd eat. 
we need, he said, no, it's the souls, it's the passion. You, you were called. You, it wasn't just on accident. You've been called for such a time as this. God's going to use you. They're going to take some of these experiences in your future, and God's going to use you. I look back, and he's right. There's something about a self-righteous preacher. There's something about a self-righteous apostolic that says, I'm too good to go in that home. I'm too good to go in the Section 8 apartments. No, sir, no, ma'am. We ought to go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. I'm finishing when Mephibosheth gets to David, David asks Ziba, where is he? Where is he? He's in Lodabar, king. Lodabar was northeast of Jerusalem. Was in a land called Gilead. How can you be broken where balm is? Think about that. The prophet Isaiah asked, there is no balm in Gilead. How can I be broken in the land when there is no balm? Where there is balm. How is Mephibosheth lost in a wide open space? If you look at the geographic, it was a wide open space. He was lost. But Psalms 27 says, oh, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Or in the time of trouble, ah, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Oh, I'm telling you, God protects us. You may say, ah, that, why didn't you give me that, God? God's saying it would have destroyed you. If we'd only know, if we only knew. Your seed determines your seed. When he comes in, he kneels himself toward David. And David says, no, 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 no. Hold him up. Hold him up. Read it. You're the son of Jonathan, my very best friend. You have royalty. Come here, Ziba. Come here. How many sons do you have? Oh, 15. How many servants do you have? 20. You and your 35 men are going to serve this man. I'm telling you, when God has a destiny over your life, uh, oh, we, we laugh about it all the time and say, oh, don't sit in the same seat. Uh, oh, oh, elder, why don't you sit somewhere else? Oh, but I've talked to some elders that said, hey, I fought too much to lose my seat. I've given too much to this church to give up my seat. I'm not going to move. I'm going to stay here on the rock on the promises of God I've given too much I've shed too many tears on these pews I've been involved in too many prayer chains I've prayed too hard not to have my seat if you go to the last verse in 2nd Samuel chapter 9 as you stand this lame that still had life. Mephibosheth, when they had said, huh, Ziba told David, he's nothing. If you read it, he talked to him. He said, yes, there is one Mephibosheth. He is lame. He called him by his pain, by his handicap, 
not by who he was. If you go to the last verse in 2 Samuel chapter 9, this lame that still had life, this limping that still had liberty, this cripple that still had a calling, the last verse says, and from that day forward, Mephibosheth ate at the king's table and was lame at both feet. I've come to tell you here this afternoon that the moment he sat down at the king's table, the king covered him <laughs> and when the king covers you it doesn't matter what they say about you it doesn't matter what they think about you all you gotta say is put your head hand over your head and say I'm covered and when Jesus Christ died on the cross he covered you with his blood and his mercy and his love will cover you forever he covered you who am I talking to today? You have a date with destiny. And just like Mephibosheth, the king's been looking for you. The king has been looking for you. You may feel like you're lost in an open space here today. You may feel like I'm not doing anything for the kingdom. I'm stagnant. I'm still here this afternoon. I don't even know what you're talking about. I've come to tell you, Jesus Christ has been looking for you and he's found you. You're in the right place. This is the place of safety. This is the place where miracles take place, where lives are changed. This is the place where the king covers you. Anybody ever been covered by his blood? Why don't you lift your hands toward heaven? Come on, why don't you begin to talk to him right now? I've come to tell you here today, the king's been looking for you. People may say that I don't have potential. I don't have what it takes to be used in the kingdom of God. I've come to tell you that's a lie of the enemy. Don't let him tell you you're not good enough. Inside of you, there is power and anointing. God can bring you out. God can change your life in an instant. I'm fighting, fighting an enemy right now. I'm telling you, there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out. You need to praise your way out of it right now. Come on, open up your mouth and give him praise. Come on, say, I am somebody. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm chosen. I've been chosen with purpose. This is your first time in an apostolic church. You've never received the gift of your Holy Ghost. Perhaps you've been coming. You can receive the Holy Ghost here this morning, this afternoon. You can. If you need healing, I'm telling you, the spirit of expectation, God is in this place right now. I know you can feel him. You prayer warriors, start praying here. If you need a miracle from the Lord, I want you to come forth right away. I don't want you to wait out of your seat. If you need a miracle, you've tried everything. The doctor says it can't be done. Come on. I'm not going to ask again. That's it. Hallelujah. If you need a miracle, come here. Come closer, ma'am, right there. Who else needs a miracle from God? You need healing. You've been fighting with something secret. Financial need. Who needs a financial need? Praise God. Everyone here is blessed. All right, we have a few. 
Any visitors want to come up? Come on, the king's been calling. The king's been calling. We're going to come up as a church behind these, but we, I, want, I want to call those that have a need, a desperate need. It's not enough that we just talk about it and preach about it, but we need to learn to operate in apostolic authority. Hello? We need to learn how to walk and talk and preach and experience the supernatural. It's not that God doesn't choose or he chooses. It's his timing. It's his place. But God is going to do the miraculous here this afternoon. Hallelujah. It's already been confirmed. Devil, you're a liar. I want you here. Begin to raise your hands. Those that have a need right now, lift your hands to heaven. Come on. Open up your mouth from the fruit of your lips. Huh? God, you are going to meet my need. Devil, you've lied to me too long. You've, you've told me I'm not going to do nothing. But I've come to tell you under the authority of the Holy Ghost. You will see the miracle come to pass. You will be healed. You will get a financial blessing. That's it. That's it. Speak it. Speak it. come on that's it cry out to the Lord come on God's not you're not waiting on God God's waiting on you we need to learn how to enter into his inner court we need to learn how to enter into his court and how do you do that you do that with praise and worship God you will provide my every need all right, I want the elders to come. For my elders. My elders, sir. Sir. In the name of Jesus. We're going to count to three, church. I wonder here today, perhaps you didn't come to this altar, but I want you, I wonder today if you'd be a midwife to the needs here this afternoon. Can we do that? Can we stand in the gap and say, God, I'm going to fight for these. This is my brother and sister in the Lord. I'm going to fight with them until you meet their needs. In the name of Jesus, we come before you right now under the authority of the word of God. In the name of Jesus right now. One, two, three. I want you to open up your mouth and begin to shout with the voice of triumph. Come on, shout. Lay hands. Go ahead, lay hands. He told us, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yeah.